Hey everyone, welcome back to this episode of the B2B Power Hour. Today I am joined by Asia Corbett, Senior Revenue Operations Manager at Bread Financial, um, and also LinkedIn influencer extraordinaire when it comes to posting about RevOps, when it comes to providing thought leadership about RevOps, and I've loved your content, I've loved the topics that you've discussed out in the world, and I could not wait to have you come on the show today. So thank you so much for joining the show, Asia. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. It's one of my passions in life, truly, <laughs> is, is operations and, and revenue operations. So very happy to be here today. Uh, I am so excited for this conversation, and I think you even primed where I kind of wanted to begin, which is, what the heck is revenue operations? Like, what is it actually? Because it's something people talk about so much, and I've really been searching for sort of like a clear definition as to like what it is and how it's supposed to work. Yeah, so I've got the one-liner <laughs> version, which is... That is like just what I've come up with over, you know, the years and being in the those shoes is that it's the, you know, function that is responsible for supporting processes, systems, that's your tech stack, reporting and enablement across all revenue generating functions. Okay, so if we call it revenue operations, then um, if we, and if we can agree that there are other teams that generate revenue outside of sales and revenue operations should include those teams and their processes and um, systems and, and reporting support. And, and further, a step beyond that is it's really about looking at how all of those teams work together across the buyer's journey. And the buyer's journey may not be linear. It may look different from company to company or industry to industry, but the underlying theme is that the team the revenue operations team supports the teams that generate all those uh, revenue streams. So um, that's the way that I define it. That's the way it, it seems to to be practiced now. Hope, but starting to be practiced now. <laughs> Definitely how we chat about it in the communities. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah. Okay. I, it's so interesting because, and, and I've said this on live shows, and I had told you this when we were doing our uh, before the show, like I, I definitely have historically been sort of skeptical of RevOps as a function, but I think some of that sources from companies that are so focused on only maybe one team of the revenue generating engine, and, and as you point out, that's often sales. And also similarly, it's not really... I don't know, it's not really operations. It's almost just sort of like more cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> There's yeah. just kind of throwing more people at the... So are, are those common mistakes companies make when they're building RevOps is they maybe have like too narrow of a vision? And like, how, how do you how do you get out of that? Like, how do you actually yeah. do it right, I guess? I think so. I think it. a lot of it is, you know, historical, you know, legacy organizational structures, the way that teams and companies have been doing their, you know, go-to-market operations and what people are focusing on. And that has been sales. And, um, you know, with the, I mean, people like to talk about the pandemic and how we're all I mean, driving towards, you know, more digital buyer experience. Buyers are more informed. Buyer's journey has changed, at least in B2B, uh, mm -hmm. the B2B world. And so that, Really, I think 
was a catalyst for revenue operations gaining even more traction. Because again, like revenue um, operations or go-to-market operations has existed for a long time. I mean, I've been doing some form of it over the last seven years in various different roles, but it never had this much, you know, publicity. I don't know if that's like mm-hmm. the best word to use, but uh you know, people are starting to notice, especially in B2B SaaS and especially in earlier stage companies, um, and there there are a lot of factors that are coming into play around tech stack too, and all of these tools that you need. You need someone to look out for, look after them, and administer them. So certainly that is a piece because you do want someone to be thinking about that across your teams. Um, <clears throat> but if a company should decide that like okay we're not ready for like a fully fledged revenue operations team that's okay because you may be in an early stage um you know like series a you don't you don't need three or four people you don't um that's fine but like if you're gonna decide all right we have a sales team then you probably need a sales operations manager not a revenue operations manager you could you could make that argument if Mm -hmm. you in do in fact Think, uh, thinking about, you know, uh, scale and being forward-looking, you could hire a generalist, a revenue operations manager, and they might know that more of their focus will be on sales, for example. But likely there might be some sort of marketing efforts going on, whether there's a team to generate inbound or you have to outsource to an agency or however that looks. There still needs to be someone connecting all of those dots, right? So, um Generally speaking, and because I've been in situations where I don't get the other side of the picture because my operations team, the operations functions are uh, siloed, right? So Mm -hmm. the idea is to bring all of those together under a centralized function so that somebody, the leader of that team, or, you know, the the person maybe if they're building the team or if they're just um, starting the function at a company can look holistically across all of those processes and tools and say, all right, if I make a change to my lead scoring model, that's going to impact sales. It's also going to impact their systems, right? Like maybe they've got a marketing automation platform to do that. The the CRM is where their sales reps are spending their time, but also there might be an outreach or a sales loft or an outplayer, Mixmax or whatever, Mm, that also uses that information. And maybe you're putting people into a sequence automatically based on the lead score. So all of those things are connected together. But if you're just sitting maybe in, you know, one team, marketing operations, or or only in sales operations, who, how are you getting that full picture? So uh, I think that's like kind of a long-winded way to say, of course, I am an advocate for a revenue operations, like a centralized model. But I know that, you know, there are circumstances that may mm. be dictate how you go about that especially early on yeah so how how did maybe i have so many questions my brain went in like ten thousand ways with what (laughs) you just answered so let's start with maybe reporting so like in an ideal Mm -hmm. situation where does RevOps sit in maybe like the power structure of a company and like how who who reports to who? Like, and how yeah. how are decisions made? And like, how does that work? <laughs> oh my gosh! So what we see a lot of is uh, um, 
revenue operations reporting into a CRO. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, I have nothing against CROs. Like, I think that they have, you know, a job to do and they, they're focused on this revenue strategy. But uh, what typically happens is the CROs come from sales background. And um, the challenge is who is steering uh, the team again operationally or who's going to be a good executive sponsor for revenue operations. If revenue operations is not at the C-suite um, sitting at the at that level, then the person who, you know, the team rolls up to has to be a good executive sponsor or at least understand those things. Process is important and that's the foundation uh, in order to, in order for revenue operations to be effective at their jobs, which is not just pulling reports and it's not just building out Salesforce. It's much, much more than that. Mm. So I have reported to, um, you know, the business unit, the GTM leader. I've also reported directly to a COO and a CEO. And typically I have not seen early stage companies with a chief executive officer, chief, I'm sorry, chief operating officer, which is fine. So in that case, I think Mm -hmm. as, as neutral of a party, uh, next neutral party would be the CEO, and that's kind of, you know, I mean, that's probably pretty contra- controversial, I know, uh, <laughs> but no. there, that's why. It's because it's alignment. I mean, we talk about that a lot and how we're, how revenue operations is a, is a function that should ideally help increase alignment. It's very hard to do that if you're reporting into a business leader that, uh, you know, may, might be a little bit more biased towards their goals their specific mm. you know business unit goals yeah and i it's interesting you're pointing to something that's like really crucial and i love that you're returning to this again and again which is that revenue operations is is fundamentally about operations like it is it's not just about sales activities or marketing campaigns or um you know some particular customer success initiative and yeah. it sits between all of those from a operational capacity and not yeah. necessarily from like a how do we do sales better or mm-hmm. how do we do marketing better it's like no 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 let's talk about operations here how are things actually structured and and the processes that are happening in an organization and i could see how like what you're pointing to how that could get sidelined by a cro who's overly focused on one kind of revenue generating activity instead of the operations function that yeah. RevOps should be focusing on. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea with that is, is when you can start to think number one about that process building block and then number two across, you know, the entire picture of marketing sales and CS and maybe product and all the, of the other mm-hmm. um, teams is that 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 allows you to then help inform other areas of the go-to-market strategy because you understand how things are working. That's what the operations are. It's like it's like if you were to open up a clock and you see all the gears, like that's what that would be, right? You on the front of the clock, you see the face and the, the hands turn. Okay, great. But what's underneath all of that? What's making the, those gears turn? Um, it's kind of like how I've been thinking about it lately anyway. <clears throat> That's super powerful, and it's it's such a great analogy. 
Um, I think this brings me to something I've been curious a lot about, especially given your own background and your involvement in these communities. Like what sorts of hiring profiles should companies be looking for when they're hiring for RevOps? Like, and this also comes from my skepticism, I think, because I see a lot of sometimes marketing people getting promoted into RevOps or sometimes sales leaders getting promoted into RevOps. And from what you're saying so far, maybe that's not a horrible thing, but it's not necessarily like the exact function that RevOps could serve a company. So what? how should companies be hiring for RevOps? Like what sorts of hiring profiles and skills should they be looking for when they're creating these teams? Yeah, yeah. Uh, to your to your point, um, it isn't inherently a bad thing that someone is in sales or marketing and wants to go into operations. Actually, that's really great, you know, because they kind of understand from the front end how things are working um, a little bit. But mm-hmm. I think um, it, what makes definitely what makes um, maybe like ramp time faster and you know skill sets that I have wished that I had developed earlier in my career would have helped me faster are things like uh, project management skills, process mapping, workflow, diagramming, understanding, like systems thinking, right? Understanding Mm. parts of a whole, how they work together, how something will impact. If you make a change upstream, what are the downstream impacts and vice versa? Um, And you can, uh, you can, sort of understand that by asking people questions in an interview, right? Because that may not necessarily be on someone's resume. Uh, But those are really critical pieces, uh, skill sets, I think that um, I don't think there's enough emphasis on when we talk about uh, these. these. And, And from my own experience in interviewing very recently before I got to my new role, just... Uh, the kinds of questions I was asked, how the job roles for revenue operations were written in the descriptions. I'm like, hmm, so this really sounds more like Salesforce uh, admin role, or this really sounds more like sales ops. And I would ask that. So how is your go-to-market team structured? Um, how many you know people are there? What are your systems? What are you expecting the person to do? What are your uh, challenges that you're facing right now? Um, and... And that kind of informs me too that like I think companies could probably adjust their um, job recs a little bit because uh, number one it's like okay what what is the role actually is it going to be a sales ops person or is it going to be a rem ops person and then number two you know kinds of people uh, or the kinds of skill sets that um, you know are really helpful to a rem ops practitioner. Uh, like project and process management, systems thinking, um, you know, really good uh, presentation skills. So like the ability to communicate effectively. Those are really very underrated uh, things. And and um, I try to be an advocate mm. to people who want to go into revenue operations, whether they're just starting out in their career or not. It's like you will not regret focusing on that instead of a Salesforce admin certification. I promise like that. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, it's very, it feels like it's the opposite because companies like want you to be certified and admin as, and mm. all these credentials. And like, those are really great certifications. They, they are. And 
um, there is a need for technical skills. It's just that's why there are Salesforce admin roles, you know. So um, <clears throat> that's that interesting. It, yeah, you know, mm. it would be really cool if companies started looking towards uh, like people who come from supply chain, huh. shipping, logistics. Yeah, that's that's that kind of that process thinking mindset. And mm-hmm. those those project skills, ability to cross, to collaborate across um, different departments and people. And um, yeah, I mean. Yeah. So how does, um, I mean, speaking of collaboration, like how, especially in your practice and in the roles that you've worked, how does RevOps layer in and work with not just like the front facing sales, marketing, customer success, but also like sales ops and marketing ops, um, especially at teams that have those, like how, what, how blurry do those lines get? And also how, like, how do those, how can those teams work effectively together? Man, I tell you, it's like really hard. It's hard when the operations teams don't sit together because uh, I mean, we can talk about something that everyone likes to talk about, which is the tech stack, because it's mm-hmm. you know, fun and flashy. And if you've got two different teams admining, you know, the two different systems, again, it's like you have to be in lockstep when you're making those changes because they've got impacts across not only the tools, but across the process. So, again, like we'll use the lead scoring as an example. If you change that, not only do you have to know what's going on in your systems and your tools and Salesforce and outreach or whatever you're using, but also what is the process now for follow-up? What is the new threshold? Where does that handoff happen? Is it, how are you doing lead routing too with that? How are you, uh, are you scoring people who are were disqualified and then they're coming back and like what happens with all of those pieces and, um, it's it's just more challenging when there's that's happening across two different teams. So if you are in an organization where your sales ops and marketing ops sit on different teams, you've gotta you have to have a cadence to meet frequently and discuss your backlog of <laughs> items that you're working on and <clears throat> really know what the other team is working on so that you can make things as smooth as possible, which is really what our jobs are. To, to steward all of these things so that the revenue-facing teams can bring in the revenue. Um, <clears throat> and that the, the customer journey and the buyer experience is also seamless, like so on the front end, and then mm-hmm. all of those back-end things. Um, and so documentation is really important. Uh, so you can agree on definitions. You can agree on what is a source of truth. Where are we doing reporting out of? Who's responsible for what reporting? So that, that's a lot of like um, that's a huge task alone <laughs> yeah yeah it is it is it is so that piece and then you know having a cadence to meet uh, regularly to discuss mm-hmm. your your roadmap if you will um the concept of the roadmap was like newer to me for operations and i again that was something i wish that had been done sooner because it was like wow, this is how we can kind of organize our work. This is how we can show what we're doing is aligned to business objectives. Crazy. Uh, so that, Insane. and then <laughs> it's like, it, yeah. And uh, I think the other thing, which is um, very, very soft skill focused is empathy. Like trying to just understand where people are coming from 
when there are a lot of operational or process changes to be made, that can feel very restrictive and people don't like change and people don't like um, not having control. It's, it's like a biological thing, right? Like we are hardwired to resist change. Um, but so that's something I'm trying to also carry with me and, and that helps a lot. It's like people aren't purposefully out to get you. Other teams aren't like trying to do work that's going to make your systems break. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) So just like understanding that too helps a little bit. It is hard sometimes when uh, you are got to produce things very quickly or you're constantly getting thrown a lot of different tactical things to do and it feels overwhelming. You're just at the the whim of the sales team. But, um, you know, taking a, a, a step back sometimes and saying, all right, what, how are, what are they, what might they be feeling? Like we're trying to tell them they can't do this. They can't do something or they have to do something. And so, uh, mm. yeah, the, mm-hmm. that empathy piece is important. Man, I love those. I, and I, what I love that you're pointing to is that in many ways, like your clock analogy a really high-performing RevOps team becomes not necessarily like the brain of an organization, which I think is maybe where like the mistake happens where, mm-hmm. and this is what I hear, um, where, oh, we're going to put together a RevOps team and they're going to make our revenue generation really easy. And to me, that's like ind- indicative of there's this brain, they have insights into the customers, they know how all the sales activities and the marketing activities work, how they're, you know, and that may be true to some degree, but what I like you're pointing to is that it's actually a layer deeper than that. And it's thinking about all of the ways like the brain is connected to each other and who has um, responsibility and who has uh, control to those reporting lines and those processes. Because at the end of the day, RevOps professionals aren't selling or they aren't marketing is what it sounds like. They're just supporting the sellers to sell and the marketers to market with better processes and and simple, uh, well, simple is probably not the right term, but improvements at least <laughs> <laughs> to, yeah. to all of the things that support them. I love that as like a way to think through a high-performing RevOps team as not like a source of truth in the marketing sense of like, oh, we know our customers the best, but like a source of truth as to how do we get things done in our go-to-market? How, you know, yeah. how do we roll it out as a team? Mm. Yeah, exactly. No, that's a good point. And something that I've just, I mean, I've been seeing and chat with people about is uh, at least over the last couple of years, there's talk about, okay, how can the operations function become more strategic? Uh, but by nature of what an operations role is, it's it's pretty tactical. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of keeping, like, it's how things work, like like the clock, right? Like, that's the, all of the things that are ticking on the, on the, behind the scenes. So operations is a tactical, very tactical role, and uh, at least up until maybe director level or above. And so you'll have to be comfortable with, especially if you want to start out early and if you're hiring early, a person has to be able to do tactical things and maybe to some extent drive some of this, the strategic part. Um, but I like executing on things is really important and uh, that's, a, that's a good skill set to have. 
as as people start to get later into their careers or as companies are starting to hire like leaders, like, yes, the strategic part is important and you need time to do strategic thinking. It is not you like I have to block off a couple hours to think through things and like map things and really understand what I'm doing, put something together that's thoughtful and analyze something in a thoughtful way. I can't turn it around in 30 minutes. And that's like, mm. that's how strategic thinking works. It takes some time. So, um, so, so like, yeah, to an extent operations is very, very tactical just because the nature of the work, but also there's a place for the strategy and, um, and, and I enjoy that too. And I think, uh, as as the discipline becomes more mature and in different industries and stuff, and we start to have more uh, uh, widely known definitions, um, it will. I think we'll see that, but uh, for, for mm. right now, we're still in the defining phase. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you had mentioned this a little bit earlier, which I was curious about, which is like, where where do you? I know you've worked at a. a, a variety of companies at different stages of their life cycle. So um, where does, where do you see RevOps becoming, I don't know. Mission critical? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say like transitioning from nice to have to like need to have in, in some way in that. Like do, is there a point you found in which like companies really should wake up and start hiring for that? Or is it a little ambiguous? Well, um, so I think that if you have um, a uh, a team, well, let's say you have even a couple of people uh, on your go-to-market team in each function. So say you have like a sales team of five uh, and they're, maybe they're full cycle or that, that doesn't matter, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um you have a marketing, maybe a couple of marketing people, and you might not even have a CS team yet, uh, or you might have one person. I've worked places like that, which is also yeah. fine. <laughs> but you'll need a revenue operations person, and that's uh, like you can hire a generalist, though it doesn't have to be a, uh, and it doesn't have to be a director at that level. It could be a miss, someone who has some experience, I think, um, because they're starting from scratch and they're going to be building. Um, and likely, uh, you'll just have to know that that person might, might need some upskilling on the strategic side. So as, as a company grows and scales, you know, you go from five to 10, how is that person thinking about, uh, the roadmap? I like to use that. And I draw a lot of inspiration from product teams because the roadmap is a, is a good way to start organizing yourself around, especially if you're the one person, um, around company goals and the, the and how your work is going to impact that. And so building a plan to say, okay, well, I'm going from five to 10 salespeople. What do I need to do from an operation standpoint to, to make uh, the company ready? So I think um, as soon as you have a team of salespeople, you should have a go-to-market operations person, whether that's sales ops or rev ops. I mean, is is uh, <laughs> that early? You could you r- truly you could probably choose either. Uh, I am biased a little bit because I'm a revenue operations person, and I like to think about things across the whole the whole journey. And I'm like, okay, well, what about what about our onboarding? So oh, we're going to start getting customers. How are they getting onboarded? 
who, where is it going? Like, what happens when they're done? What is the handoff from sales to CS? And uh, so, but truly, like, that early, you probably are good with a sales ops uh, manager or sales ops lead or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Probably, um, if that person is just starting out, you want, if the company is looking to build, you probably want someone with some experience. It's not going to be entry level. Um, and then as you start to grow in team size, then you can start to add more people. I have seen uh, some um, articles floating around based on uh, revenue size, which doesn't really make that much sense to me. I mean, because that might huh. might be tied to the headcount of your go-to-market team. You know what I mean? So it's like, mm-hmm. okay... 10 million in, in ARR and how many people are going to be on your team though, you know, right. To generate that. So that's kind of how, like, I think of mm-hmm. it. It's interesting. Sort of like the constraining factor of, of how, <laughs> how many, uh, how many cats do we need to herd kind of thing mm-hmm. instead of think, <laughs> how, you know, what sort of things do we need to build for this team to be, successful and mm-hmm. one thing you had brought up which I, I was interested to ask more about is um, you said a couple of times like you could just hire a generalist when when um, you're early in in the life cycle what what do you if you could compare and contrast like a generalist to somebody who's maybe a little more specialized in rev ops or sales mm-hmm. ops how how would you describe the generalist or like what what does that mean to, as a, in a hiring profile? Yeah, so if I was uh, for generalist, I would look like I would look at business operations people. Uh, okay. Because those role, and I have been in a business operations role, and again, it's like you have to support multiple teams, so you have to think about things holistically. And I think that's the key: is that you are thinking about projects, processes, and tools across different teams and how they connect together in sales ops or marketing ops or CS ops. And one of the specialized functions, you're not um, typically. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it, you like people can come out of sales operations and like, and, and be coached into that, I think, or, or marketing operations and be coached into that for certainly. But uh, the, the generalist types are going to be more, Maybe more like a chief of staff, even uh, uh, to the go-to-market team, like uh, or yeah, some something something like that, where you're really focused on that cross-departmental, cross-functional, holistic mm-hmm. piece. Yeah, like a an integrator role, sort of yeah. just like yeah, as like a especially early on, I could see how valuable that could be, and then at either coached into at scale, something that looks a lot like RevOps or however yeah. that needs to evolve and bring in more people as it, yep. as it happens. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I used to be very like, yeah, you should just hire RevOps. Why don't companies just hire RevOps? And like, uh, because I know the, the benefits of that. And I have been in, in, positions where I feel the pain of not having the united front. But I know there's other constraints and there are other factors too. So it's like, okay, if you can't hire a generalist because maybe there aren't that many generalists, what's the next best thing? Okay, 
start to ask the, the questions in the interview, the behavioral questions or questions. Um, so you can get a sense of, can this person do systems thinking? Can they, can they, even though they come from a specialized role, can they get out of that specialization a little bit more? Mm. Mm-hmm. That the specialization, the mindset, you know, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I feel so enlightened already. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Perfect. Just, well, and it's so funny that we've been talking about this because I, I continue to return to this sort of like, and I'm, I know you see this out on LinkedIn, but this sort of like uh, expectation that RevOps just breaks down silos and it just, you know, it it's it is the panacea. It's the silver bullet mm-hmm. to all of our problems. And it's, and for our audio <laughs> listeners, she's shaking her head. <laughs> mm. Break down um, silos in quotes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. T- talk to me about that. I mean, obviously you've had experiences or plenty of stories where that's just not the case. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what needs to happen is we need to be enabled to do that. And that's a cultural thing. That's like a leadership and organizational thing. You, it goes back to who is your executive sponsor, right? Who you roll up to and who is that executive sponsor at the leadership level to really empower revenue operations to do uh, that and what they are you know, brought in to do. In order to break down silos, we have to not get our hands slapped. And um, because again, like, Sometimes the things that operations is doing feels restrictive. It feels like, oh, we're slowing our team down. Like they got to stop and enter something into Salesforce as a very common example that you hear, right? Um, But it's not that. It's that we need that information to pay your commissions or we need that information to forecast properly, right? Things that you don't have to think about, but we're thinking about. And so as long as we have the support from our leadership team, that's how we continue to break down those silos and really align all the go-to-market teams together. So yeah, like, yes, we <laughs> should be breaking down silos. Yes, that's what we are, what we're, what we aim to do, but we also have to be empowered to do it by the culture and the leadership team. So. Mm. It's so, so interesting. So good. Um, I, okay. So a couple questions. These aren't really hot takes, but these are certainly things that I've been seeing that I've been increasingly interested by, which Mm -hmm. is RevOps helping manage and source like contact intelligence for the sales team. So sort of like in the traditional world, marketing would be the ones who are creating leads and I don't know, buying Zoom info or whatever. And then Mm. marketing would be passing along to sales, the contact information in a CRM or, you know, some sort of embedded tech stack. But there's been some discussion of like, why should that live inside marketing or marketing ops? But could that live inside of RevOps instead where... RevOps is sort of handling both the sourcing and the delivery of the contact intelligence to sales teams. Is that, do you find that in the wheelhouse or maybe is that a little too far out from what we've discussed so far? Uh, No, I think it's well within the RevOps wheelhouse. Uh, I think, again, this comes down to those like legacy team structures, right? And Mm -hmm. that has been in marketing operations. 
Um, and marketing operations and sales operations have been siloed. You know, they've sat in their own respective business units. Um, but if, again, if we're going to think about like picture to picture, uh, mm -hmm. the whole, I mean, end to end, <laughs> the picture <laughs> end to end, uh, there is no reason why a revenue operations person would not be looking across those things, you know, okay. I've got Zoom info now. What does like what is the profile? What is our ICP? And we wouldn't come up with that on our own. That is collaborative. Mm. That comes from marketing is doing a lot of that, uh, definition wise. And then we get that information and we figure out how to operationalize that and and pass it along. Right. So um again, is if it depends on how your current organization is structured right now you might have a marketing operations team doing that or a marketing operations person who's doing that part and if the goal if the move is not going to be that the teams combine the operations teams combine <laughs> you have to work in lockstep with that person because not only is that all right we're getting net new prospect we're sending like net new people over in lists but also what is the ongoing data uh hygiene look like and who owns that right it, it's because it's not it doesn't just affect sales it doesn't just affect marketing it affects customer success too because those are people who will sign eventually and then what happens to all their information so it's like part of a broader yeah. go to market data strategy again <laughs> so I it's across all the teams uh -huh. yeah it is I, I have seen related to that if I may Mm -hmm. um, a little bit of concern around the centralization of ops functions, particularly from marketing operations. Mm. And I, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know enough of why that concern exists. Um, and so I'm just, you know, I'm interested, I'm interested in why, why that is. And it's like, uh, companies I think are still conflating revenue operations and sales operations. That might be a piece. Other pieces like job security and, and the other thing is like specialization going away. And revenue operations is not meant to get rid of specialization. Specialization is still really important and it should exist, especially if your company is larger. You're going to need specialists. So, uh, but, it, but going back to that benefit of like having the one, the leader who understands all those pieces and can get your your different ops, specialized ops folks to work together to get to the end goal of helping the revenue generating teams. I think that's like, that's the benefit, but mm. people are having a hard time seeing that, which is understandable. So sure. Of course. Yeah. 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 I, in due time. The other question in that due I time, had, yes. <laughs> in the due other time. question I had, which is sort of a, a hot take on the other side of the equation. How about sales processes? Cause I feel like sales processes are sort of the bread and butter of either um, sometimes an enablement team, depending upon the setup, but oftentimes like sales managers themselves or sales directors sort of institute, here's how we're doing our sales process within the go-to-market. And now there's a lot of chatter of, well, is that owned by revenue operations? Is that owned by sales operations? Do you have any perspective on where that might live? Um, and maybe who's supposed to really have the final say? <laughs> yeah, I think, again, that's one of those things that should be collaborative and operations should not be like, the arbiter of those things i mean sure uh, uh so 
like yes it's processes in the name for sure and we should be there to like steward that and provide like insight on how to best operationalize a certain sales process but ultimately yeah the sales manager and the sales leaders they're going to be driving a lot of that and then we can say okay well based on so you want to do this all right we have xyz available and here's how we can make that happen and then let's make tweaks and then the in the process improvement piece the ongoing like the maintenance and the the updates that can come from uh, sales or rev ops right as we're looking at the process and seeing where could there be gaps where are the process gaps that i think would definitely fall within the rev ops within the operations of the operators wheelhouse the overall design and at the forefront especially that definitely should come from the sales leaders i don't think we need to take that away <laughs> we don't need to own that's not another thing that we need to own right but we can totally. certainly help guide through that process makes a ton of sense to me yeah. um okay Last question as we near the end of our time together, yep. um, which is, as we affectionately call it around here, our power hour question. So okay. um, if you, as you think about RevOps and particularly the companies that you've been a part of and like improving RevOps, especially is where I, I'm thinking, yeah. um, if you really only had an hour to sit down and really finesse the, the RevOps structure of a firm, how would you spend that hour? Mm. Yeah, so ooh, this is a great question. Um So I would do I think a few things. The first is understand their customer profile. That's very important. Who are they selling to? What is their business model? What are their revenue streams? Um the second is what uh how is their organization currently structured? Their whole organization, not just the go-to-market, but thinking about you know, across the entire company, uh, what does it look like? There's a CEO and then everyone, there's an executive leadership and then the next level and the next level, or is it really flat? Like thinking about that and then thinking about the go-to-market organization and thinking about and helping, you know, the leaders there understand too, like, what are your goals? Not just, okay, let's, make 50 million in revenue this year but like <laughs> what what else you know so understanding those things and from there helping them um understand what the personnel resource you might need uh for to to support that on the revenue operation side because i did talk a lot about how revenue operations supports go to market but it but we do have to work with other teams um, so even even if we're not supporting directly finance, for example, we're still working with finance to do lots of things, sales forecasting, commissions, other other sorts of reporting and, and numbers. Um, maybe you work in an industry that's very regulated, so you have to work with compliance, legal, product. Uh, so, you know, depending on how complex your business is, um, your business model, depending on how your organization is structured, that's going to inform how you need to think about building a reven revenue operations team. Because like you said, it's not a panacea and you can't, you definitely are going to hit a wall with one person. I mean, one person mm. can only do so much. 
You might be lucky in that that person can do like process and systems or process and tools or like be like the PM and also the systems admin, but that's not everybody and that's not a lot of people, which is also okay. So that's why people build teams, right? To to yeah. to bring all of these skill sets together to support and drive this goal, uh, uh, reach goals. Mm-hmm. I hope that answered your question. Yes, of course. <laughs> it's an amazing answer. And I love the way that you're thinking through how RevOps plays out in an inside an organization and, and like understanding how to how to fit yourself in there. So I yeah. have so enjoy I feel like I could go on asking you questions for hours and hours and learning so much. I feel so enlightened from our conversation today. Thank you. Um, Asia, where can people find you? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn as Asia Corbett. I have a Twitter, but I don't honestly I don't use it that much. <laughs> My Twitter <laughs> handle is RevOps Reina and that's Silly. It's just like a little bit. I uh, am learning Spanish, so we'll, we'll throw it in the show notes. <laughs> uh, but I, I wouldn't. It's just funny. I don't think of myself as the RevOps queen for That's sure. Sure, there's lots of really smart RevOps women out there who um, mm-hmm. definitely could hold that title. But uh, LinkedIn generally, and I'm in some of the operations communities like uh, Wizard of Ops and RevOps Co-op. So definitely, if you have questions you can reach me there too that's awesome well asia thank you again so much for joining the show today it's been such a pleasure to have you yeah thanks for having me it was really fun to chat about uh RevOps. nerd out about it <laughs> <laughs> agreed did you love today's episode subscribe now to have our three weekly episodes waiting for you and if you really like our content please leave a five-star review But if you're not ready to give us a review, check out another episode and follow us on LinkedIn. We'd love to win you over. See you next time. See you next time.